We're going to be learning Kutisifis, Chilkechas, the third Sicha for Parshish Bashalach. We're going to be focusing on the second part of the Sicha, which is from Sifches and onwards, which is the Inyonim Mufloim in Rashi. And it's going to be discussing the idea of Hashkacha, Pratis Mdegyet Gai. So, just to give a quick summary of the first part of the Sicha, what it's talking about, and then it will lead us into the Inyonim Mufloim of Rashi, which we're going to focus most of our time on. So in this week's parsha, it talks about the Maragdim and tells us that after the Maragdim returned, they told the Jewish people, Ki Azam, the people are too powerful in Eretz Canaan, and we won't be able to uh, overcome them. So Yeshua of Akalev defend Eretz Yisrael, and they tell the Jewish people, one of the things they tell them is, Hashem Altim Raidu, do not rebel against Shem, Altim Altiraum, and you will not be afraid of them. Kilachmenuheim, they are like our bread. Um, their shade, their protective shade has been removed from them and Hashem is with us. So what does that mean? So the, the question um, the question is is like this. The, the Pasuk seems like it's telling us that the Baraglam are telling the Jewish people that the people are too strong and powerful for us to overcome. And Yeshua of Moran's defense is do not rebel against Hashem and therefore you won't be afraid. But but doesn't make sense so much. The Maraglim gave specific reasons that they're giants and it's powerful and they have all these powerful cities. What exactly is the defense that Yeshua and Kolov are giving? All they're telling them is, don't rebel against Hashem. doesn't seem like there's any type of answer to the tainess that the Jewish people are giving. So Rashi explains that the answer that they're giving is in this Pasuk. That when it says, Hashem Timuraydu, it says, they're telling them, do not rebel against Hashem. And by not rebelling against Hashem, you will have no reason to not be afraid. As Rashi said, Shuv then you will not be afraid of them. Because once we have Hashem on our side, then even naturally, of course, we're going to be able to win the Goyim. And the Pasuk tells us even more, we've been able to consume them like bread. A, because bread, meaning that bread is very easy to consume. And second of all, we already know that Hashem will give them to us like bread, is that Hashem in the desert gave the Jewish people two things. He gave them bread, and he also gave them the slav, the, the meat, the, the birds. And we know that when he gave the birds, he did not give it to them happily. But when he gave it to the bread, it says he gave it the savor upon him office. He gave the bread, the man, happily, because that was something which was fitting and proper for the Jewish people to have. So Hashem, Yeshua, and Kalevi telling them that as long as you don't rebel against Hashem, you have nothing to be afraid of. Hashem will give us the land as if he's giving us bread, meaning it was a savor upon him. The office would be happy to give us and we will easily conquer them. Then the Pasuk continues. Uh, and the Tsar Tzilamalim, that the protective shade has been removed. So Rashi over here gives two interpretations of what that means. One interpretation, he says, is, he says, Megidim Achaskam, says their, their shields and their protection, and he explains what is their chizuk, what, the, what, what gives them strength. That's the Kshem Shabahem that their Kshem have died. And then he says, what is their shield? Eev, who was their shield, died. So the first shot that Rashi is telling us, what is this protective shade? The protective shade are the tzaddikim, and specifically Eev, that have given them some type of protection. Eev has died, therefore their protection has been removed. And then he gives a second shot, that it's the shade of Hashem, the protective shade that Hashem has given them, that has been removed from them. So they do not have any more the protection of Hashem. So what we need to understand is, what is the difference to the hashkacha of the goyim between these two answers. The first answer that we're giving is we're showing that the hashkacha that the goyim have, that the protection that they have, comes from tzad their tzaddikim and iev specifically. The second shot is showing that they have some type of protective shade, some protection that comes from Hashem directly. What are the differences between these two perushim? And that's going to be the focus of the second part of the sicha. So to understand this, we need to first understand the machloikis about the ram and the raivid, which is mentioned and to give a quick introduction regarding the background of this machlaikis. So there's halacha, we know, the Mishnah tells us in Chulon and Daphne Gimel, that the shechita of a guy is, a, is, 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 is possible, and it makes the animal become a nevela. Meaning is, shechita usually accomplishes two things. First thing that accomplishes is that it permits the meat to be able to be eaten. If it's a proper kashri shrita, you're allowed to eat that meat. The second thing it accomplishes is that a behema, once it dies, it has a tumas tuma tavela, and therefore if you touch it, 
has tumas mag, if you touch it or if you carry it, you're able to become, uh, you're able to be makabal tumah. But by having a proper shrita, that removes the tumah. So the Mishnah tells us that if a goy shechs the hema, it's going to be in the veil and it will still have this tumas masa. So now we have a machlikis, the Rambam, and the other Rishonim, how exactly this, this tumas masa that a goy has when he gives shrita, is that a dinder raisa? Or is that a dinder abana? And, the, and the, the, the idea is like this. The other Rishonim, the Rosh, Taisvis, the Ran, they learn, where do we know that a goy shechita is possible? Because it says in the Pasuk, regarding shechita, that you will shecht, and then you will be able to eat the meat. And the Tesefta tells us over there, that you will shecht, and then you will eat, is telling us that you have to shecht it. But if a goy shechts it, it's not a good shechita. And, or if a koif, if a monkey uh, shechts it, this is not a good shechita. The only one who's able to do a proper shechita is Yisrael. So they learn from there that the shechita of a goy is aser min and when a goy shechts it, it's just as if a monkey shechted it, which means it's just like the, as if the animal died on its own. That it's not going to be able to remove any type of tumah. So according to the other Rishonim, it's very clear that the that the shechita of a goy is pasal min because only a yitz shechita is kosher, and since it's possible, it's just like as if the animal died on its own, and therefore the tumus novella will still be on this animal, minhatayra. The Rambam learns the source that a goy's shechita is possible from somewhere else. He learns that a goy's shechita is possible because it says in Parchus Kasisa, when it's talking about not making any type of bris with the Yeshve arts, with the people who live in Eretz Yisrael. So it tells you over there a few things. It tells you one of the things it says over there is that the karlacha that they will call to you, uh, and, and you will come and you will eat. You'll go and you'll start eating from their, their sacrifices. And then your children, your daughters and sons will start getting married and you're gonna be, they're going to be So it tells us that you're not allowed to eat from their karbanis. So the Ram learns from over here from this passage that it says that you're not allowed to eat from their karbanis, that their zvicha is possible. So their zvicha is possible. But what's the difference if you're learning that the zvicha is possible from this pasuk, or if we're learning it from uh, that, that other pasuk, like the, the Rosh and the Ran and, and the other Mephorshim? So the difference is like this. According to the other Roshayim, the reason why they're shrita psasal is because, because they, they're not in the gedr shrita at all. They didn't do anything. It's as if they shot him in the head. It's as if the animal died on its own. So it's automatically going to be too mustavale. It's automatically not going to be a good shrita because their shrita means nothing. They're not, they don't even have this mitzvah shrita. But according to the Rambam, the Rambam says there's a specific lav to tell you that their shrita is possible, which that means is that really their shrita would be good. It's just that the Torah answers their shrita, meaning is their shrita, if you eat a shrita of a guy, according to the other Roshayim, you're basically eating an avela. According to the Rambam, you're not eating an avela, you're eating a korban which was shafted by a guy, which would be a completely different lav. According to the other Roshayim, it's a lav of an avela. So for example, let's say you're giving a warning. Adam need to give the correct warning uh, in order for the person to be able to get malchus. So according to the other Roshayim, you have to warn them that you're, going about, but you're about to eat an avela and you're going to get malchus for that. Uh, um, but according to the Rambam, you're not warning them about an avela. And if you warn them about an avela, you actually, he won't be high of any type of malchus. Rather, you have to warn him that you're going to be eating from uh, a, 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 a zvicha of a goy, and a zvicha of a goy is aser, and then they would be able to get malchus. So it's very different. So one of the nafkaminians would be is, according to the Rambam, this animal is not an avela. So only an avela has tumas masa. So this animal, which was shakta actually wouldn't be tumas nevela minatayra. It's possible to eat, but it's not going to be a tumas nevela. Therefore, the Rambam writes, and uh, as I mentioned, Hilchas Shavrisa Tuma Perikbez Halachayud, that the tuma that the Mishnah and Chulun is talking about that the, uh, the, the shechita of a goy will make the animal into an avela, that's only a, she says, near ba'inai, curve ba'inai, this is something which is only midurbanan. Sha'aren, he gives an example that we see that by, or maybe a reason that he sees, just like by takarevus of a desire and avay desire themselves, it's going to be tamay. The reason why avay desire and takarevus of a desire is tamay is because we want to keep the yid away from of a desire and having any connection to it. So similarly, the reason why we're making tummy the shrita of a guy is because we want the yid to stay away. You can't be close to this inyan because his food, his nevelas, his, his, his animals will cause your kachim, your truma, your, 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 your foods or yourself even. If you pick it up, touch it, you will also become tummy midurabanan. 
So it's a din derabanan that would make you tummy. So that's the shitas of the Rambam. Uh, I will point out that there are actually two ways of learning the Rambam. Um, one way of learning the Rambam is that the only that the only type of the question is: Are all goyim going to? Is the shkita apostle or only a, a bal of Someone who's doing a vaydazar? Because the pasuk over there was talking about that you're going to make a bris with the yeshve arts, and then they're going to they're going to shacht, and you're going to become connected to the vaydazar, and the kids are going to start getting married, and you're going to be zayin So is that pasuk of the Rambam talking specifically a, a bal of Not that if he shacht, not for vaydazar. He shacht for vaydazar. That's for sure, sir. The question is, if he just shechs, or, you know, for a regular, for no reason at all, he's shechting an animal, would that become possible because it's a bala desire? So some Roshayim are saying that that is specifically talking about a guy who is a Vedas Kochavim Mazalis. He's an idol worshiper. Only him would his um, Shechita be Asr Min Hatayra. And it would be Tamei Medin Durabana. And then regarding non-idol worshippers, for example, a Ger Taishav. A Ger Taishav is someone that Lives, uh, it, it lives in Eretz Yisrael, the times when there's Yevil, and he's accepted upon himself the Shev Mitzvah Benayim, meaning as he believes in Hashem. His Shrita is only Pasa Midor and also his Shrita would be Anavela Midor and that's often the same ideas because we're trying to distance you from Avaydazara, any type of connection to Avaydazara. So even a Gerteisha that he himself doesn't do Avaydazara, we ask it rabbinically, and we also make his Stav Tame, and the, it's all coming from the same idea of keeping you away from the Shash of Chastas. So that's how the Kesem Mishnah, most of the Rishonim learn, um, learn the Rambam. There is a second approach to the Rambam. This is from uh, Rabbi Ruchim Fischel Paralau. He learns that the Isser of, uh, that we learn from Patrick Sisisa is actually on Algain. It's not a Isser specifically just on Bale of Edezara. Rather, it's on any guy. So he learns it's always a lot. So according to the second approach is any guy that shacks a animal whether it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a gertaishav or it's a kuti or if it's going to be a, a balavai dezara, his animal will be aser min hatayra. And what's midrabanan? The din is only regarding the the, the din of the vela that would be matama b'masa, the maga b'masa. So that would be the sheet of the rambam. But either way, what we're seeing is that according to the other rishonim, when a goy shacks an animal, it's literally an vela, while according to the rambam, it's According to one approach, if it's a balave dazar, it's a, it's, 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 it has a specific lav, and it will be tamay tumas nevela midrabanan. Regarding a ger taisha, it will be, the whole thing with the shita and the tumu would be rabbinic. According to the second approach of the Rambam is, any goy that shaks it would be also midrabanan because of this lav from Parchisisisa, and the tuma would be only midrabanan. That's the introduction. So on that alacha, the Ravid asks on the Rambam like this. He says, he, he disagrees with the, the svar of the Rambam. He says that's the, the svar he, he doesn't like. He says because nivshal kahimas nidbu ein metamim emitmoyim amadei malachamar. He basically is saying is he tells the Rambam, how could you say that there's any type of tuma that a goy is able to give that the goy shechs an animal and by his shechting the animal now this animal becomes uh, tame. He says. Goyim are similar to animals. They don't have any tuma. They cannot become tummy themselves, and they're not able to give over any tuma. So if they're like animals that they have no tuma, how is their shechita able to give tuma to the animal that they shechted? So he doesn't like the approach of the Raman. That's his question that he has. He says, Goyim do not, are not in the world of tuma and tara. And just to give a little bit of background, just to make it uh, clear for going right there, the halachas of tuma vatara is actually based on kedusha. Before Matan Torah, there was no concepts of Tumah Vatara. Only by the time, the moment of Matan Torah, when the Yalyonim Yerdet Latachtayim, when the Indian of Kedusha was able to become unified, a bronze in this world, then those things which are holy, meaning a Yid, um, is able to become Tameh and able to transfer Tumah uh, to different items, etc. But a Goy, this never has this level of Kedusha. Therefore, a Goy is not able to become Tameh himself while he's alive, and he's not able to transfer any tumas because it's based on kedusha. You need to have a level of kedusha in order to become uh, a source, a source of tuma, or to be able to makabel tuma. Fine. So with that introduction, the rabbit says that therefore it's impossible that there's any tuma that comes from a goy. Goyim are not in the world; they're not tyrus of tuma v'tara. So the Kesel Mishnah asks on the rabbit. He says he doesn't understand what the rabbit's talking about. He says the meila, if you were going to tell me 
that that the shkita of a guy is just like a shkita skype and you bring me this tesefta, you say there's a pasik in Devarim, and you bring this tesefta that the tesefta says clearly that a shkita's akum or a shkita skype, this is not a shkita at all. Then I would understand your question because you're basically saying that this thing is an avela minatira. So if it's an avela minatira, then obviously also the tumas minatira, and there's no avela midrabana. He says, I don't understand your question. But you're asking about the shkita of a guy. You're saying because they do not have any tumah themselves, therefore the shkita can't have tumah. He says the chachamim are never geyser that they themselves are tamay. The guy will always remain, uh, I'm not going to say the word tar because tar is, is implying that there's a tumah. The guy will always remain neutral. The chachamim made a specific gezerah on the shkita that they do, that their shkita will have a din tumah if a Yisrael touches it. So what does that have to do with that the guy himself does not become tamay? True, the guy doesn't become tamay. If he picks up his own animal that he shakled, he won't become tamay. He always remains neutral. The gzair was specifically for Israel. He doesn't understand what the what, what the right of issue is. And regarding this, that the Rambam uh, holds it's not an avela. I we have this tesefta that says clearly that it has to be you shachting it, and not a kaif and not a guy. So he says this is just and that pasuk according to the Rambam is just an asmachta. It's not a din deraisa. That's a din derabanan. And Papashas, what I think he's trying to say when he says a din derabanan, it means is probably the tuma. That, uh, that the Tuma, either he's talking about, first of all, as I mentioned, according to the Kesem Mishnah, only uh, a Baal Avedizar is actually Asen Midar Raisa, but a regular guy, uh, like a Ger Taishav, would only be Asen Midar Banan. So, it's an, so, so, so that's an Asmachta. So the real Isa de Raisa, according to the Ram, is only Baal Avedizar, and that's from the Pasuk Sisa, and the Pasuk that the, all the other Roshanim are using, he says that's only a Dindar Banan, and this is the Tesefta quotes, that that's only as an Asmachta to Asr, um, the, the, the shkita of a goy who's not a balabay de zara, and according to the Rebbe Perla, he would say that just means uh, the tuma. The tuma stavela would be midurabana, which according to everybody, the tuma stavela, according to the Ram, would for sure be midurabana. So that's this question that he has. Uh, so, in order to answer this, the Rebbe brings a ragachavar. And the ragachavar introduces this idea of heder and mitzias. Mitzias means identity, and heder means a lack, a lack of identity. And just to give you one uh, example before we discuss how it's relative to our sicha, is, uh, is uh, the example is regarding an Evid Kanani. So the law is by an Evid Kanani. An Evid Kanani is someone that doesn't have an identity at all. And to, to, what, what does this mean? For example, tell, the law is that a goy, an Evid Kanani, a goy, let's say a goy, a goy has yichus. And the child will go after the lineage of the father. So, for example, let's say the father's lineage is a Mitzri, then the child will have the halachas which are pertinent to a Mitzri, that they're not able to marry the Jewish people for three generations, becomes Tamoy and Amav. You always go after the lineage of the father. What happens if it's the father's a slave? So we say if the father's a slave, then the child does not have any lineage. So the question is, why wouldn't the child have a lineage? True, the Yid owns the father, so the, the, the father is the property of the Yid, whatever that, you know, Mashkavet Eved, Kana Rabbi, everything, it's, it's the property of the Yid. But this, that, there's a child, that's biology, right? The, there's a father. The father came from whatever nation he did, came from. The child is his child. So the child would be belong to the Yid, just like the father. That I understand. The father belongs to the owner, to the master. Also, the child will belong to the master. But what does that have to do with the lineage? Like, obviously, the father came from somewhere. So wherever the father, let's say the father was from Mayav, so also the child from Mayav. Like, what does that have to do with the lineage? This seems like it's something which is a mitzias. The, 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 the identity of the father is someone who's from Mayav, and that should automatically be transferred to the child. This is something which is, when I say the mitzias, is something which is um, physically apparent. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not a spiritual type of uh, status that the child's getting. It's a physiological type of status. The father's from the nation. Well, that nation has those types of genes, etc. Also, the child would have it, uh, even if the ownership of both of them would be to, be to the master. So this is the idea where we come into the Heather and Metzius, that the halacha is that a slave doesn't have his own identity. He is Heather. He lacks any type of identity. He's the, owner, he's the ownership of the, uh, of the master. So since he has no identity, he's head, he's lacking any type of identity, therefore he's unable to give an identity over to his kid. And just to bring an idea that's brought in by the Chaykh the philosophers, they say, you cannot give something that you yourself don't have. Right? So if I can't teach you uh, physics if I myself do not understand physics. I can't give you a million dollars if I don't have a million dollars. I can only give you what I have. So since the father lacks identity, he is head there, 
He doesn't have any type of identity. Therefore, you cannot give an identity to the child uh, because you can't give what you, what you yourselves don't have. And, and, just, and this also is relevant for another interest, uh, another halacha by Nebuchadnezzar. So the Gemara discusses, um, is it a schus for an Nebuchadnezzar to be free or not? So Papashtus, of course, it's, it's, of course it's a, it's a mila. The Gemara says, well, wait a sec, maybe there's a mila that the, that the Ebed Kanani, if he's, if, he's, if he's the property of a Koyen, an Ebed Kanani is allowed to eat Truma. Once he gets freed, this Ebed Kanani is not allowed to eat Truma. So there's a Mila to be a slave. So the Mara says that, no, that's not his Mila, that's his master's Mila. What does that mean? He's able to eat Truma, so that's a Mila that he has. So the answer is no. The reason why he's able to eat Truma is because he has no identity. If he had an identity of being a goy who's a slave, he wouldn't be able to eat it. There's a mayavi that's a slave. He can't eat it. The whole idea is that he doesn't have an identity. He's completely neutral. So what is his identity? His identity is the identity of the master. So since the master is able to eat truma, therefore the slave can eat truma. So therefore it's not his mayla, it's the mayla of the master. Therefore this is not considered a schus that he had while he was a slave. It was never his schus, it was the schus of the master. But since he has no identity, he goes after the identity of the master, just like an animal is also like truma. If it belongs to a coin, only a coin's animal is allowed to eat truma because also the animal does not have an identity on his own. His identity is that he's the property of the master, so he's allowed to eat the truma. So it's not his identity. So that's how we see by a slave. A slave lacks identity. Um, so by slave, he completely lacks any type of identity, um, at least regarding many things. But by goy, he also has this, this idea of header lacking identity, but it's only by certain things. A goy definitely has an identity when it comes to Tyra law regarding certain things. For example, uh, if a goy makes something into a vaydazar, that a vaydazar is going to be asabana. So a goy does have an identity, but it's limited to things where the Torah gives him. So for making a vaydazar and different things like that, he, whatever he does actually has significance because he's prohibited or, or commanded to do a particular thing. But what happens when things that he is not, he's not in that particular world, uh, that, then the whatever he does, actually has no uh, consequence. Okay, so that's the introduction, and we're going to explain how that, that's connected to the Shrita. Um, so the, how, how the Raga Trevor answers it, it's, if, I under, if I understood the Sikha correctly, it seems like the Rebbe is giving two Aifan in how to explain the Raga Trevor. One Aifan is how he explains it in the Pnim itself, and the second Aifan is how he explains it in Ha'ar of 30. I'm going to explain Ha'ar of 30 first, because I think if I understood Ha'ar of 30 correctly, that's a much easier way to understand this concept of the header. And then I'll go to the pin, where it's a bit more difficult, but it's, it's the same general svar. Okay. So according to the Ara, the Rebbe brings, uh, brings the Mechlikas that I mentioned earlier uh, from the Rosh and the Ra and Taisus against the Raman regarding the gather of the Shrit of a Goy. And we said that according to the Rosh and the others, they hold the Shrit of a Goy is just like, it's, it's basically as if it died on its own. It's an Avelim in Hatayr. While we said according to the Rambam, the Shrit of a Goy has a certain Mitzias. It is a mitzvah, it's just that it's a law on its own. And the tumas, the vela, would only be the dindurabana. So he's saying, according to this, what is the rivet arguing? So the rivet's basically saying that he's learning like the rush and the others. He's saying, a guy doesn't have a mitzvah of shrita. So therefore, since a guy does not have a mitzvah of shrita, his shrita cannot cause uh, any type of tuma to be chal on this animal. In order to be able to, you know, they come as if we're goyzer on the shkrit of a goy, that the shkrit of a goy would bring tumah. He says, it doesn't make sense because in order to have this concept of shkrita is a halachic concept, that when you shecht an animal in a particular way, if a yid shechts an animal in a particular way, it removes tumah, it makes a uh, mutter to eat, but that you know, shrita only applies if you're a yid. If you're a goy that does exactly the same thing, that's not called shrita. That's just called a novella. There's just no concept of a shrita by, uh, by, by a goy. So that's very interesting. So you're saying since there's no concept of a shrita by a goy, even if a goy does shrita, it's, 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 it's actually not called shrita. So I'm saying a goy does shrita doesn't even actually make sense because as soon as a goy does it, what he did wasn't actually shrita, that was just killing the animal. So when a yid shechs it in, in a particular sequence, that's called shrita. If a goy shechs it in exactly the same sequence, that is not called shrita, that's called just killing the animal. 
So what the Rive is basically saying to him is, since a Goy is Heather, he does not have any identity. He's not, the Torah never gave him an identity of someone that ha, that, that's part of this Torah Shkita. How could his Shkita cause Tumah? There is no Shkita. It's nothing. It's just as if he shot it in the head. He says he doesn't understand what the Ram is talking about. A Goy is, they're just like an animal. An animal doesn't have the idea of Shkita. Just like an animal cannot become Tame or give over Tumah by anything that he does. So a guy also cannot give over any type of tumah by the shrita because in this particular regard, when it comes to shrita, he's like an animal, which therefore he would not be able to give any tumah, just like an animal would not be able to give over any tumah to something that he does. So that's a more simplistic way of understanding uh, the machoik. So the Rambam obviously holds that it is a good shrita because he learns the, the, the shrita from a different pasik and he learns that that shrita is uh, 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 just a different love. While the while the rabbit's only like the other ones, he holds that, that the reason why the shkita begoy is that is because it's not a shkita at all. Therefore, there's no there's a header. There's no mitzias of someone doing the shkita. So according to the Ramam, the goy has a mitzias. He has a certain identity. His shkita is considered a shkita. Yes, it might be a shkita for, for well, if it's a ger toif, it would be shkita, which is kashim in the Torah only possible to But and even according to the 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 other rishon that holds or by a, a, a bala vaydazar when the shkita is completely possible. But it's not possible because it's an avail, it's possible because of, of a particular rab. So the goy has shrita, it's just a shrita which is able to be piled a certain type of law, and therefore the Rambam would hold that, could also bring that to him. That's the more simpler way of learning it. Uh, the, the way how the Rebbe learns in the Pim, and I will, I'm going to be uh, assuming certain things, again, this is based how I understood the Sikha, is that the way how he's learning in the Pim, he's not going to, he's not basing the rab, saying the Ravid, holds like the other Rishonim and the How the Rebbe is learning in Ha'ari is that the Machlikis, the Ravid, and, and the Rambam is really a Machlikis regarding Shkita. Does a Goy have a Din Shkita or not? And if he doesn't have a Din Shkita, then there's a Mitzis. If he doesn't have a Din Shkita, then it's Hadr. How he learns in the Pnim, it seems like the Rebbe would doesn't have a problem with this idea that a Goy might have a Gedr Shkita. What he's arguing about is, does a Goy have, is he in the Gedr of Tuma Vitara? That's where the starting point is. The starting point in the Ha'ar is their argument, does a goy have shrita? In the Panim, the starting point is, does a goy have tuma v'tara? And if, and based, if there's tuma v'tara, that's how you're going to learn, you know, whether the shrita and everything else kind of flows from that starting point. So I'll, I'll explain what I mean right now. Okay. As we said earlier, in order to, Give something. You yourself need to have that thing within yourself. You can't give something that you yourself don't have. So a guy, as we mentioned, is not in the Torah of Tuma Vatara. He's not able to makabal Tuma. He's not able to give over Tuma. Therefore, the Rambam is saying, how could, even assuming that the Shrita of a guy, let's say, is a good Shrita, and, and saying, I'll say even one more step. I'm going to assume even that the Ravid agrees with the Rambam that the source of the, that the Shrita is possible by a guy, is from that Pasuk in Parshish Kisisa, about Rakar Lecha V'Achalt M'Zivchai, that he's going to call to you and you're going to eat from the Zadah, Pentik I should say, Pentik Lecha V'Achalt M'Zivchai, that he lest you call to you from the Zadah. Uh, let's assume even that the Ravid agrees with the Rambam. Maybe he does, I think, according to this way. He agrees that this is the source of the love. But he's saying, the this love can't be telling you that it's only possible but it's not too much available. The Rive is going to argue, you must say that because of this love of Pankar Lecha, it's going to be possible and it's also going to have the Tumas Nevela. And the Rive is going to prove it to you that you must say that the Tumas Nevela comes inside the love itself and not because of Gezer Durban. Because everyone agrees, both the Ramba and the Rive, everyone agrees, we now have a Mishnah, a clear Mishnah in Hulan that the, 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 that an avela of a guy of our animal, which a Shigoy Shachet, is definitely Tumas Nevela. The only question we're having is, is it Tumas Deraisa? Or is it Tuma Durabana? So the Raiva is going to say that from this Pasik that we're learning that it's Asr, it's not just telling us that it's Asr, it's a love, it's also telling us that it's Tami. Well, according to the Ram, he says, no, that Pasik is only teaching us that it's Asr, and the Tuma would be Bidurabana. What's the, what's, the what's the logic of the Raiva? He says, my logic is that it's impossible to give something that you don't have. Since a Goy is not in the Torah of Tuma Vatara, how is he able to give over Tuma even by Shrita? Just like he doesn't have any Tuma, also his actions can't have Tuma. So when he does a sh the, the, the action of shafting, his act of shafting cannot affect any type of Tuma because he doesn't have Tuma, so therefore his energy doesn't have Tuma, and the actions that come out of his hands also cannot be able to produce any type of Tuma. 
and to explain more with, with a question. That some, my question would be is that sometimes we do see that a goy can affect him. For example, if a goy makes something, a vaydazara, if a goy makes an avaydazara, we said oh, that avaydazara is asubana. We also know avaydazara is, is, is tamit and it's able to give over tumma. So a goy is able to make something which has tumma. Another case we already know is that if a goy kills, let's say shoots an animal in the head, then the alma, that animal is considered an avela. And it's able to also give over to him. So we see a goy could give over to him. So what, what does the rival mean that the, that the, that a goy is not the tyrus, uh, tuma? So the vort is that a goy is not able to generate a tuma. What a goy is able to do is that he's able to reveal an inherent tuma, which is already inside of an object. For example, when he, when he kills the animal, he's not making this animal tumus novella. A dead animal is so all of what he did is he killed the animal, and by killing the animal, he revealed the inherent tuma that an animal has. So he didn't create that tuma; he's just revealing an inherent uh, tuma that animals have when they're dead. Similarly, by avodazar, when the chavim regards that avodazar is tame, what a guy is doing is when he makes an avodazar, he's not making an avodazar tame. No, he's taking this object and making an avodazar, and we already have an inherent tuma, which is rabbinic in this case. There's a rabbinic tuma, which is an inherent rabbinic tuma that anything which is avodazar will have this tuma, and, and that's not specific to a guy. It does make a difference if a guy made the avodazar or if a yid made the avodazar. Even if a yid makes an avodazar, it's the inherent tuma which is inside of that avodazar will become revealed. So when a guy is making an avodazar, he's not make his actions aren't making a tuma. His actions only make something into avodazar, and then the latent tuma which is in the avodazar itself will become uh, uncovered and revealed. Uh, this would be just another example. This would be similar to let's say a guy takes a piece of tuma and touches it to a dead body. So the tuma will also become tummy, not because oh the guy did the action. No, because the guy connected to it to something which is already tummy. So there already was a latent tuma that a piece of tuma is able to make a tuma if it touches something else, and he just facilitated that happening. So that's how the rabbi would learn. So therefore, he's going to tell the Rambam, your example that you gave regarding uh, a tuma durban, and you're comparing this to a vaydazar. Or takoyvitz avaydazar and avaydazar that you're saying just like avaydazar takoyvitz avaydazar the chalim aser and they made it tame because of you know we want to keep the yidden away from tuma he's saying that's not at all similar to our case because that tuma that's in takoyvitz avaydazar and avaydazara even if it's made by guy that's a tuma which is inherent within these items themselves but over here we're talking about a shrita of a guy. So we're basically saying is that this item is tahar, and then by a goy shechting it, he's creating a new tuma. If a goy, if a yid shechts this animal, it won't make it into an avela. It'll be a kasher animal. There's no tuma at all by a shech, like a shech an animal. He's saying, but you, according to the Rambam, he's saying is that when a goy shechts the animal, it gets rid of the tuma. It's never going to be, at least it's never going to be considered an avela. You can't eat it because of a lot, but it's never going to be an avela. And the chachamim put on it a tuma. He says, but we never find anywhere in the Torah that there's any type of tumor that a goy is able to create. It's the action of the goy that's creating the tumor. So what, what the Rav is asking is that according to the Ramam, he's saying you find this big chedesh by this particular tekana uh, of tumor that we don't find by any other tekana surbana by tumor. Any other tekana of tumor that the Chamim have, it's never something which doesn't have some type of latent type of tumor within it. Uh, um, I'll give another example. Let's say we have Sifre Kaidish. So we know that if you put, they say Sifre Kaidish, if it touches uh, a uh, Kachim, well, let's say, say Kachim, because that's for sure true. If a Sorry, Kisfe Kaidish touch, Kisfe Kaidish, the Kisfe Kaidish will make that Kachim Kame. Why? The reasoning is the Kame made it to Kana, that since people were putting their Kachim by their Kisfe Kaidish, this is holy and this is holy, therefore, um, Therefore, they were good. And what happened is rats were coming and they were eating the, the food and they were also eating the uh, Kisve Kodesh. So made a gzera that, that, that the Kisve Kodesh will also be Tame. So when they were going on the Kisve Kodesh that they're Tame, that's because Kisve Kodesh can become Tame. A, because first of all, they have Kedusha, but even more important, another more important Indian is, is because Kisve Kodesh are Kli. When we know that Kalim are able to become Kabbal Tuma. So the, all the Chaman did is, they, they a Kli, which is already in, the Torah of Tuma Vatara, Kli can be Makamal Tuma. A Kisve Kodesh, if a dead person touch a Kisve Kodesh, it would also make it Tame, because it's a Kli. So they, what they did is they just expanded it uh, in, 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 other, in, in, in additional types of scenarios. And that's always what the Chamin do. A Kli eats 
only has a Kli Kibul is a Tami Midaraisa. And the Kli Eitz, which is Pashat, Pshutta Kli Eitz, um, are not Mekabal Tumi Midaraisa, but I believe, unless I'm making a mistake, um, they would be they would be Mekabal Tuma Midurabana. So let's just, or maybe another one I know for sure, glass. Glass is Tarim in a Taira, but it's able to be Mekabal Tuma Midurabana. And why? Because it's similar to other types of metals. So the point is that Kalim in general, they are able to Mekabal Tuma. So therefore, all that the Chumim are doing is that they're extending the Tuma that's already there into additional cases. Or what they're doing is they're taking inherent Tumas and just uh, putting it in, in in additional cases, or let's say there's a case of a doubt, you have a mess inside of a field and you don't know where, where the mess is, uh, so you make that into Vesa Pras, and the whole field has a level of Tumah. Why? Because we don't know where it is, so there are ways that the whole field is considered Tumah. But all these cases, all the items, the Kalim, the people, everything involved, there's already a Tumah there, it's just being extended to a greater way. But by a Goy, there is no Tumah at all. A Goy doesn't, cannot be Bekabal Tumah, and his actions are never able to give over Tumah. So a bizai, how can they how can they be goyzer that the goy's um, action that his act of shkita will be able to be cause in yinatuma? We don't find uh, that a goy is in the toyer of tuma. So therefore, his action of doing the shkita has actually no connection at all to the yinatuma. So that would be, as we're saying, the idea of heder. As we explained, that the idea of Heather is that it's not within the same world. Since a Goy is not in the, the world of Tuma Batara, so the Chamim cannot, cannot extend his Tuma Batara and say, oh, because it's the identity, basically we're saying is it's the identity of an item which gives it the capability to have Tuma or to transfer Tuma. And what the Chamim are doing is they're taking that identity and they're just expanding it in, in ad- additional scenarios. But if the identity of this person and the, the energy that comes from it and, and the action that he does is not within that world, doesn't have an identity that's able to give Tuma, therefore the actions that he has also won't have an identity to be able to, go, to do it. So even if you want to say that the Shkita is a good Shkita, because not a good Shkita, but it's a Shkita which has a Metzias, because it's a Shkita that the Tatar asked, because of this Pasim Kisisa, but the Shkita that a guy has has no connection. It's not in the, uh, the Metzias, it's not in the world of Tuma Batara. Therefore, if it's not in the world of the Tum of the Tower, what are the Chachamim connecting to? You need to have a certain identity to be able to have Tum of the Tower. Definitely on Midaraisa level. And the Rabbinic, they follow, like, as I said, the whole time. They're just expanding on what you see on Midaraisa. They expand it to a greater level, that, that identity, or, or to more scenarios. But over here, he has no identity of Tum of the Tower. So how could he, how, how, what are the Chachamim saying that his actions, that if he does this particular action, that would have an identity of Tum of the Tower? Regarding the world of Tum of the Tower, they can't even... Uh, you know, if, if, if you think about it, let's say, uh, let's say it's some type of uh, light monitor that, that this machine can only, like two of the towers, like a monitor that's able to pick up certain frequencies, certain types of light, it's not able, it's only able to pick up lights that have an identity which connects to the, it's identity that has like some type of tomb of a tower identity. But a goy doesn't have the tomb of a tower identity. So when he does a shrita, the tomb of a tower won't even pick up that he did a shrita. Because the shrita of a goy has no connection to tomb of a tower. It's in two totally different worlds. So that action that was done with tomb of a tower, the machine won't be able to pick up that picture. He won't be able to pick up the light that comes out of that action because that action does not have the lights that are able to be picked up by the receptacle of Tum of Atara because it's inside that world. So that would be the Achloikis of the Ram and the Rival. Okay. And based on this, now that we understand this, what we're basically saying is that as regards to Tum of Atara, the Ram Holzi does have a certain identity. Therefore, the Chacham are able to expand that identity uh, to, to when he shacks. According to the Ravid, he has no identity when it comes to Tum of Atara. Therefore, it cannot be expanded. So regarding Tum of the Tower, as we mentioned earlier, that's very much connected to the Indian of Kedusha and the idea of uh, Hashem's Kedusha being drawn into this world. Uh, that by Har Sinai, when Hashem's Shekhinah, what happened at that moment of time was that there was a certain merging of Kedusha into this world. So that merging of Kedusha also is, is, is what reveals the idea of Ashkacha Pratis. So this idea of Ashkacha Pratis is most revealed by Yid. But then you have Goyim. So according to the Rambam, there is a certain level of Shkacha even by Goyim, because they have a certain identity, they have a certain Metzis, even when it comes to Tum of Atar. Masha'ikin, according to the Raiva, that they don't have any identity, they're not going to have an identity either either for uh, uh, Hashkacha Pratis. And 
I'm going to explain that in the next part of the shir, much detail, the background for this concept of Ashkacha Pratis by animals, by Goyim, and by Yidin, and the Machlekes Roshayim regarding it, and also the Shittas of Al Shantif. And then we'll have see much clearer what the basis of the between the Ram and the Ravid is, and then we'll connect it back to the, the two answers of Rashi. That the, the Ravid is going to be like the first answer of Rashi that it was just the Tsar Sila means that Eve passed away, that Tzadikim passed away. And according to the Rambam, it's going to be the actual protection of the Shem that a Goy has, because a Goy also has a Shkacha, his protection that a Goy has, that was removed by, uh, if the Yudim would have uh, listened, ultimately about Shem, they would have listened, would have been able to remove that Shkacha, and we'll discuss that uh, momentarily. So the second part of the Shir, we're going to be discussing the idea of Shkacha practice, and especially how the idea of Shkacha applies by a Goy, according uh, to the Rambam and the Ravid. As a way of introduction, I'm going to point out two very important details. First of all, when we're speaking about hashkacha and do goyim have hashkacha or not have hashkacha, we have to differentiate between what hashkacha between hashkacha of Hashem and Hashem knowing what is going on. So, regarding Hashem knowing what's going on in the world, Hashem knows every single detail of what's going on and every single prat of what's going on. So, we know Hashem who amada, who ideh, who yadua. Hashem knows everything that's going on because the whole world comes from him or is him. Therefore, he will always know what's going on. So we're not discussing whether Hashem is aware of what's going on in the world, but rather when we're talking about the idea of Ashkacha in this year, we're referring to specifically the idea of Hashem getting involved and managing and leading and guiding um, the world uh, and guiding the world in a particular or individual in a particular way. That's point one. Second of all, um, when we're talking about does a Goy have Ashkacha, this is a this is a that happened prior to the Baal Shem Tev. Everybody, I'm sure, listening to the Shir knows that the way how the Baal Shem Tev learns Hashkacha Pratis, that he learns Hashkacha Pratis is even regarding a leaf that uh, move, like uh, has a little turn, the turn of a leaf, or uh, that itself is Hashkacha Pratis. And not only is Hashkacha Pratis, but that's detrimental to the ultimate plan of a of a Shem. So of course, if there's a Hashkacha Pratis even on a leaf, then of course it would be Hashkacha Pratis even on the Goy. So this Machlekes is before that sheet of the Baal Shem Tev, uh, was revealed by the Baal Shem Tev. And I'd also point out that in our 33 and 35, the Rebbe discusses how these opinions of the Rambam and the Ravid would fit even according to the uh, opinion of the Baal Shem Tev. Um, meaning like this, that according to the Baal Shem Tev, everything is Bashkacha and Hashem is involved. But even according to Baal Shem Tev, there's a question about two things. First of all, how is this Bashkacha revealed? And being which oifin is it going to be revealed in? And also, what's the level of recognition of this uh, hashkacha process? So, for example, Hashem is getting involved, but is it in a way of reward? Is it a way of punishment? Is it a way of chesed? Is it in a way of gur? Is it an oifin misi? Or is it an oifin of tivi? So, even how Hashem is being mashkich and getting involved, there can be many different afanim of how Hashem is getting involved. That's point one. And point two is how... How aware are we of this hashkacha uh, of Hashem's awareness? So when it's talking about a, say a, a nasi should be Yisrael, then this is very clear the hashkacha because we could see Hashem's involvement with a nasi because the involvement with a nasi and what exactly what a nasi does, what happens with them, affects all of Klal Yisrael, like we see especially in Tanakh, where the Tanakh always follows certain individuals, and the hashkacha with these individuals is much more apparent because how, what happens to like a king or a leader of the Jewish people affects the entire generation much more than what happens to the individual. The individual. So, of course, Hashem has a shkacha pratis on every single detail, but the question is, where is, how revealed is that? Like, where could you see the hand of Hashem in a much more revealed way? So, when we're having this machlekes, we could either, if you want, we could look at it as, as a machlekes that precedes the Baal Shem Tev, or we can look at even the MS, that even within the Baal Shem Tev, the question would be, between the Rambam and the Ravid would be, how much of this is revealed to us? That when you say that there's a, there isn't a shkacha by a guy, that would mean is that we're not aware. It's, it's not readily apparent, the hashkacha uh, of Hashem regarding a guy. And when you say that there is hashkacha, that means it's much more readily apparent. That's A. And B, it also, when we're saying about the hashkacha, it would be what type? Uh, you know, how, how much is the reward and punishment? A guy does something wrong. Are you clearly able to see the punishment that happens for it? Or the reward and how Hashem is guiding his life? So that was just in the general introduction. Okay, so the Raga Chavar brings, based on the Chaliks that we're talking about, that the Ram and the Ravid, that this has, actually has to do with the idea of Ashkacha, um, 
by a guy. So the, the Rambam and the Moira Nebuchim, in the third Chelek, on Zayin and Perkichas, he tells us that by animals, the Hashkach is only on the min, on the species, meaning that Hashem sets up certain rules. This is how the Shemir Munin explains the Rambam, uh, or ex- explains this concept. I'm not sure if it's necessary to explain the Rambam, but he explains this concept, that Hashem gives certain rules inside of the world of how this particular min is supposed to uh, live. You know, there's certain rules, and, and, and based on those rules, that is the guiding principles of this particular min, and Hashem does not get involved with each particular min. So he sets up the min in general, and that he gets involved only when it's something which is affects the entire min, like, like, a, like a world-changing type event, an extinction-level extinction event, something like that, something which affects the min in general, he'll get involved in. But he's not going to get involved in, you know, if let's say there's thousands of thousands, thousands of uh, zebras, he's not going to involve this. This one, the one that's going to be attacked by a jackal, is going to be that one. Is one going to fall? One slip? He set up the rules. There's going to be a certain percentage that get, uh, you know, that that survive. A certain percentage that are going to be killed. Certain a percentage will reproduce, etc., etc. Those are set up, and it will look like mikra, look much more chance of what's happening. You're not going to see the divine hand involved in that. A second way that Hashem will, so again, so Hashem is revealing just by the min, the general uh, uh, guidance to the, to the species in general. Uh, a second way you also see Hashkacha is if the, uh, by animals, even on a particular way, is if that's also relevant to human beings. So for example, if a person uh, owns a stable and he has animals in it, then the, you know, if it, how these, if, it, if these uh, animals, uh, you know, get fattened up and if they're healthy and they're successful, that affects also the human being. So then, then you'll see the hashkacha much more. As we know, in our, let's say in Rosh Hashanah, a person gets judged about how successful his, his, his property will be. So then you'll be able to see the hashkacha within these animals in a much more particular way than you would be able to see within a min in general. So that's because it's more connected to the human being. Fine. That's how the, the, the Ramam's shita. That's regarding animals. What about regarding humans? So let's talk about yidin. So a yid, or human beings, the Ramam says, it's based on their connect their seichel their their seichel their, their intellect the more a person is connected a uh, more um in a, of a type of an intellectual type of a person a person that's more of shlemus of the of the ram that most importantly that a person's able to think about intellectual concepts and i believe also especially at least how he explains it within the yana hazaka those in yanim of seichel also um control and guide him, meaning is that his midas and his actions are also based on a seichel, so it's not a complete disconnect. But if a person is a person, a bar seichel, and he lives as a bar seichel, the more of a bar seichel this particular person is, and how he lives based on that type of bar seichel, he becomes much more connected to Hashem, because we know the sheet of the Ramam is, that the way how Hashem, um, let's just keep it simple, reveals himself at least uh, to us, the highest level of Hashem, how he reveals himself, is as the pinnacle of Seichel. So the more you're doima to Hashem, the more you're similar to Hashem, the more of a connection you have to Hashem. And based on the level of connection that you have to Hashem, which is based on how similar you are to Hashem, how Hashem is within Seder Hishnashlis, that will be the level of Hashkacha that Hashem will do. So therefore, if a person's a tzaddik and he's, he'll have a much, be able to see Hashem's hand within his life much more than someone who is not. And that even applies by guy to a certain degree, right? But if a guy also believes in Hashem and he hangs the bar seichel and those type of things, you'll be able to see that his relation to Hashem much more than someone who's on the opposite extreme. And within seichel itself, we, we should point out that there's also many different topics in seichel. The Rambam holds that the greatest level of seichel is the Maisa Markava, is seichel or Laki. So the greatest type of connection that a person can have is when he finally reaches this level to be able to study and focus on the Maisa, Maisa Bracious and Maisa Merkava. Um, but a person who's going to be the opposite of that, especially, a, let's say, a Russia and a fool, he, the Rambam says, will be more similar to an animal, to a behemoth, where it's just going to be on the min. You know, the, the fool, that, that there's, the, the, the connection to Hashem in his day-to-day life will not be so apparent. It'll be more in a way of mikra, like almost happen chance. So happen chance also is something which Hashem sets up, as the Rambam explains in Hilchus Tshuva, uh, I believe Perak Hay, that he asks, 
how could you say that a person has Bechir Chafshis, a person can choose good or bad, don't we say, Hashem Asa, that whatever Hashem desired, he did. So if Hashem does whatever he desires, how could a person have free choice? That might be something that Hashem doesn't desire. So he explains this because this is what Hashem desires. Hashem desires, just like he desires that fire should go upwards and wind should blow, he also desires that a person should be able to make his own decisions. That is the desire of Hashem. So this, when we say it's Mikra, that, a, that the world will be conducting itself in a particular way that it looks like it's Mikra. If you're not connected to Hashem, you won't be able to see the Ashkach of Hashem. That is how Hashem wants it. Okay, so just to summarize, uh, the Rambam, he says is, again, we can learn this how, before the Baal Shem Tev, or you can learn it as Hasidus will learn the periods of the Rambam based on the sheet of, of, of Hasidus. But the idea is that the Ashkach of Hashem is on the min of the Behemoth in general, not on the particulars. Um, unless it's a, 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 something which is relevant to the entire min, you know, migration of a, of, of a tire species, or how it's connected to individual, someone's property. Regarding human beings, it would actually depend on how close they are to, ha, to, to Seichel. And the more they are doyma to Hashem, and the more of a bar Seichel they are, the closer they are similar to Hashem, the more they are able to connect to Hashem, you'll be able to see the Ashkach of Hashem much more. Masha'inkin, if you're Russia or a fool, these types of things, you're distancing yourself to a certain point. You know, you could literally be like a behemoth. I guess that would be the extremes from one being very close, the other one being all the way to having the same type of level of Ashkacha by Hashem. And it could be literally, as I said, if it's before the sheet of the Baal Shem, that this would mean that you're just putting, you're, you're, you're living in the way that Hashem, Hashem's Ashkacha is just with the general rules he put into the world. That's how the world will affect. So if good things, bad things happen to you, that's really just based on the rules of nature. Or as we said, it's just as if it's based on the Baal Shem Tev, it looks that way, that you won't be able to perceive the hand of Hashem. It will look like that it's just Mikra, but truthfully, it is Hashem setting it up, but it looks like it will be in a way of chance. The Ramban, uh, in his Pirish Chomish, Parshish Vayera, he says a very similar idea to the Rambam. The only thing that he says a bit different is he doesn't talk about the idea of, uh, of the Paseho, he talks about as an idea of Kirusalakim. Dvekas, I should say, Dvekas, that the more Dovik, the more attached, and the more you're cleaving to Hashem, you're able to feel the Hashkaf of Hashem much more. Therefore, Ein Hashem Elireyav, that Tzadik, the, the miracles, the wonders, the punishments, all these things by Tzadik is much more apparent in his life than someone who's not. Uh, that's one approach. Um, so, when it, so the Rambam is clearly saying that even by Goy, a Goy does have that capability of having Hashkaf of Hashem. It really just depends on what he does and who he is. The Raivin does not hold of this concept. Rather, he says that even by Goyim, uh, I think this is at least how the Ragged Shopper will learn the Raivin based on how he explains the idea of Shkita and Tumah Batara. The Raivin doesn't say this clearly, but the Raivin is, the, the Ragged Shopper is learning this in the Shita's Raivin, that since he, does, he holds that he's Heather, he doesn't have his own identity regarding Tumah Batara, that would mean that he doesn't have Hashkacha as an individual, rather it's an Hashkacha as a way of the Min just like animals would have, meaning is that something would be relevant to their min in general, or how it would be relevant, I guess in this situation, to Yidin, then there would be much more hashkacha being, uh, being more apparent. Um, taking this, this idea one step further, um, the Rebbe explains how this connects to the idea of, of our parsha, that according to Rashi, he brings both pshatim. The first pshat he brings down is that the that the, 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 the ksherim and the, their, their, their shields, their tzaddikim, that's who gives them protection. The, 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 that would be like the raivin. The other shot is it's the sailor chomakim, it's the shade of Hashem, the protection of Hashem that each of them have. So what is, that's more like the Raman. What does that mean? It says, one of the ideas explained in Chassidus is that the idea of sail, shade. So shade, it changes according to where the person is. Meaning is, there's a sun which is shining on you, and you make a shadow. So if you turn, the shadow will be somewhere else. So when it says, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shade, what does that mean, Hashem is like your shade? Meaning, it's just like when you turn, and the shade changes, similarly, what you do affects things above. And that would affect, in a sense, the protection that Hashem is giving you, and the divine energy that's coming down to you. It's because you're changing something which is really uh, Lamaila. That's what means that Hashem is your, your sale, is because you have control over that. So according to the Rambam, this is something which is true even by Goyim. Because Hashem gave the Goyim, the Sheva Mitzvah 
And as the Rambam writes, that a goy that does a Sheva Mitzvah because uh, he was commanded to do so by uh, by Moshe Rabbeinu Har Sinai, then this person is is from the, uh, is is a person that gets Olam Haba. He's considered from the Chassidi Olmos Olam. This is a type of person that Hashem has connected himself to by Goy doing the Tzivri, the command of Hashem. He's actually making his connection to Hashem, and therefore uh, he will get Olam Haba, and he will also have protection that comes from Hashem. And that's what the, 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 the when it says that Hashem removed the tzel means Hashem removed this divine protection that they would, they would have because they're uh, moved, removed it from them. According to the Ravid, though, he holds that Hashem is never going to be the shade of a guy. Rather, they're similar more to behemoths in the sense is that just like the purpose of animals is to be able to facilitate uh, the divine purpose for the Jewish people. Be able to make a dear betachtayim, and as it's brought in the Gemara, that when Adam Rishon was created, Hakal Muchul Masuda, everything was prepared for the meal. Everything was created for him. So when he came into the world, to be able to fulfill what his job was. So that includes even, even the Umas Olam. The purpose of the Umas Olam is to make the Shavasitzar, to make this world a place which could be habited. So it's it's a place that has cities and a place that has electricity and water and everything that we need to be able to survive. So then, once we have everything we need to be able to survive and to thrive, then we're able to learn Torah, do mitzvahs, etc., etc. But for that to happen, you need the Sheva Mitzvah Tuneinach. So the purpose of the Sheva Mitzvah Tuneinach, according to this approach, is not an Indian which is really B'fnei but an Indian which is just to facilitate this idea of the Sheva Sitzar, which will give the Jewish people the ability to be able to do uh, what, what Hashem wants, to make a Dupatach Therefore, um, when they don't do the Sheva Mitzvah they don't have a purpose of being in this world. But when they do do the Shevim Mitzvah, they get rewarded. But the reward is not a reward that you give someone for doing something great. Rather, it's a type of reward which happens automatically. Meaning is, like a person has an investment, and the investment's going well, you're going to put more money into it. If the investment's not going to go well, it's failing, then you take the money out. It's, it's a, or the Rebbe, the Rebbe gives is that a person has a horse, the horse is being, you know, taking you where you need to go, and it's, helping you be successful, then you give it its reward, you give it food, you give it everything it needs that it's able to grow and be healthy because ultimately it helps you succeed. So the horse is not getting a reward because, oh, you did such a good job, here's a pat on the back. No, the reward it gets is is really something which is just to facilitate to be able to keep up with the good work that it's doing. So something like that, they get reward, but the purpose of that reward is to be able to maybe encourage them and definitely give them everything that they need to be able to continue what they're doing, which is the Shabbat Sitzar. But it's not a reward, but a shame reward. Masha'inkin, according to the Shita Saramim, that the reward they're getting, to a certain degree, is also going to be a reward for themselves, because once they start doing the Shabbat Sitzar, they're actually connection to Hashem. Um, so therefore, the, 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 as we mentioned, those are also the two Purushan that we have in Rashi. That when it says they're taking away an Eiv and the Tzadikim, what that means is they didn't, never had their own protection from Hashem. It's just that when you have the tzaddikim, you have Eiv, that means that Hashem is going to give them a certain level of energy because they're doing their job well. But once you, the tzaddikim passed away, they're not doing the job well, so you just they, they automatically, you just completely, uh, they have no purpose anymore. So they're, they're in this battle, they just, you remove them automatically. Mashenka, according to the second shot is, they, even when they're not doing something right, but they still always have a purpose because since they have the union of the Shev that means they have some type of protection and purpose on their own to be able to do these Shev Mitzvahs. And therefore, it had to be actively Hashem removes his protection from them in order for the Bnei Yisrael to go in because they do have their own purpose. Um, to explain a little bit more about the Raman, we say that he's a, his, their own purpose relative to the purpose of the Jewish people. So even... When we're saying that they have their own purpose, this does not mean it's not on the same level as the Jewish people have the purpose of doing the 613 mitzvahs. When a Yid does the 613 mitzvahs, the purpose is the mitzvahs themselves. The purpose is one level to be able to connect to Hashem, but it's also we do the mitzvahs because we are one with the mitzvahs. We are one with Hashem. When we do the mitzvahs, it's revealing our oneness and our unity that we have with Hashem. When we have the Shevet Mitzvah Spadeh the main point why Hashem gave the Shevet Mitzvah Spadeh even according to the Rabbim, is for the purpose of the Shevet Mitzvah to make this world an inhabited place so the Jewish people could do their work. But, this is the important point. Once Hashem gave them the Shevet Mitzvah Spadeh it wasn't given in a way that it's just to facilitate, but it was given to them also also mitzvah. 
So for when they do this mitzvah, that makes a connection. So maybe, maybe a mushal, like a, a famous mushal in Hanayim Yoyim, is that a chacham never has, doesn't have a connection to a very simple person. But when the simple person does a favor or, or does something for him, all of a sudden that, that simple person has a connection to the chacham. So the idea is that the simple person might be to the chacham, why is he connecting to the simple person initially? It's just because the simple person is able to help facilitate and help him with his mission and help him succeed. But once that connection is made, there's a true connection over there. So same, th- same thing by the Sheva Mitzvah Benayach, according to the Raman. It's true, it might be that the main purpose of the Sheva Mitzvah Benayach is in order to facilitate the 613 mitzvahs. But once Hashem gave those Sheva Mitzvahs, Mitzvah is a unit of connection. So if they believe in Hashem and they're doing all the other mitzvahs, that also helps them connect to Hashem, especially as explains in the Morin of Uchim, is by doing all the Sheva Mitzvahs, what it's really doing is it's making you the Goy, someone who's Doima to Hashem. So if it's making him someone which is daima, then he's fitting on his own to be able to be uh, connected to Hashem. So it might not be on the same level as a yid, because a yid is daima as essentially, we're, we're essentially daima to Hashem, we are the children to Hashem. When the, we do the mitzvahs, it reveals that we are children to Hashem. Therefore, that connection is always primary. And a goy does the mitzvahs, which is to help the children. But once he does those mitzvahs, and he's coming and, he, and he's perhaps doing it to Hashem through those mitzvahs, that also helps him have his connection to a certain degree. So anyways, going back to our Pashuk, and Rashi gives both Pashuk, because what he, we're basically, Hashem is telling them is that the first part of Pashuk is telling us that Hashem is with you. That if as long as you don't rebel, uh, if you don't rebel against Hashem, you have no reason to be afraid because the Hashkach of Hashem will be very clearly revealed. And when Hashkach of Hashem will be revealed in a miraculous way, you will be able to be successful. But that doesn't tell us anything about what about the Goyim. Meaning is the Goyim could also be doing the right thing at that moment of time. So if they're doing the right thing at that moment of time, what that would mean is that the Yidim will be able to be successful. The Goyim are also doing the right thing so they can stay in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, you know, uh, be, being farmers, helping out, giving taxes, all the different work that needed to be done because, you know, they're doing the Sheva Mitzvahs, they're doing the correct thing. So the, the first part of the puck is really only telling us part one, that the Yidid's purpose will be revealed, they will be able to conquer Eretz Yisrael because they are ultimately the ultimate purpose of the world. The second part of the Pasuk tells us that it's not only that we'll all be there and, and the Goyim that are helping us out will also be there to help us facilitate. Hashem's telling them... That or Shishu and Kalabi is telling them, Sart Silam, their tsail has been removed, their protection has been removed. Meaning is that it's Sholom Abayna Mairi, that the people on Eretz Kanan were deserving of punishment at that time. As it says that, uh, that, the, that, that the Yidin only came to conquer Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Kanan, only once the sins of the people of Kanan had filled, the, filled the, um, the vessel to a point of overflowing, that at that moment of time, that's when they deserved the, uh, were deserving of punishment. So at that moment of time, when they were deserving of punishment, that's when they came to attack. So what Yeshua and Kal is telling them, it's not just the first part. It's also Tzart Silam Aleim, that they themselves have to be removed. And that itself could be in two madregas. One madrega is the madrega of, like, uh, um, let's start with the Rambam, um, that they, their purpose is to do the Sheva Mitzvah But they're clearly not doing the Sheva Mitzvah so therefore, they will have to be removed from Eretz Yisrael, um, while, as we see, the Gergashi ran away. I think the idea of running away is, is that they still might have some type of purpose, but they're not doing the purpose correctly now. So they, they run away, in the sense is that maybe they could do it somewhere else. They could do it at a different point of time. While the third, uh, while, according to the Raivid, is if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then they have no value on their own. The whole purpose is to facilitate, and now they have nothing. It's, there's no reason to keep them. So according to that, those were the ones that, that, that died. And that's also through Purushim, that either HaKadosh Baruch who removed this protection from them, meaning that the Hashkach of Hashem uh, was, was, was not revealed by them, and therefore, let's say, for example, the Gergashi, the left, while the other ones, it's the Tzaddikim, anyone who was doing the proper thing has left or died. So therefore, there's no purpose for them to be on their own anymore, and therefore, they automatically were mace. And that's actually, we see as the three things that happened to the going that were actually near Tanan. Some of them stayed and were there for Lamas to serve you. The second, like Agashi, left, but they remained alive. And the third, which was the majority, uh, were killed by the attacks of the Jewish people.
this is a, a Sopan Akhar Zman, after seeing what, what some other of the Shurim and Ha'ars wrote regarding this last point about the three levels, there might be a, a second possibility of how to learn what the three Madregas are, what the Rebbe speaking about. So first Madrega is, as we mentioned, that when, since when the Yidin are doing everything, they're supposed to be Altim Raidu, then they will be successful. Even if the guy will still be around, they will also be doing their job because it's the year to do what they're supposed to do. Good, and that's the first level. The second level, where it says that's just the second level, which would encapsulate two madregas. That would be the going running away, like a Gergashi. And that could be in two madregas, either because, like the level of the Rivid, that they have no more purpose because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, or like according to the Rambam, is, well, they're also not doing their purpose. Uh, which, which is the Sheva Mitzvah B'nei But the point that they're both running away is because they still have a certain Mitzvah. They have a Mitzvah which is doing the wrong thing, but there's still a Mitzvah there. They're not doing what they're supposed to do, but they have some existence, even if it's a negative existence and they have to be removed or chased out. The third Madrig would be at the end of the Pasuk, it says Hashem Itonu, and therefore you shouldn't be afraid. That's adding another level. The Hashem Itonu is saying that ultimately what's the Pneumistical level of, of the Yid, the Pneumistical level of the Yid is that he's one with Hashem. So the essence of us is that we're one with Hashem. And then when we're one with Hashem, there is nothing else that Hashem cares about besides us. So therefore, it's automatically their mace, meaning is they're automatically completely nizbatal as if they are no more. Because since Hashem Itanu reveals the unity that Hashem has with the Jewish people, that Hashem chose us, that's the highest level it is, that Hashem's choice is specifically in the Jewish people, and therefore everything else, when we're talking about the essence of Hashem, is completely not consequential, and that would be the level of Ness, as Ness in the sense of there's no more existence to them, and that would be the highest level. So that's the second option of how to learn the three levels that the Rebbe is talking about in the Sikha.